It truly is a great privilege to be with you once again as we initiate our second session regarding the subject, condemnation, no more, no more condemnation. Beloved, I believe as you enter into this session, you're going to sense the heart of God in a very profound way. I believe that we sense the heart of God in a profound way in our initial session, but I believe even more so during this session. As I was preparing for this time, and you know, I really have been praying, preparing for decades for, for this message. I, I can't tell you just how long this message has been in my spirit uh, to be able to communicate it to the body of Christ, to, to be able to communicate it to you who are listening. I believe in my heart it is one of the most significant subjects that God really has uh, put in the Bible. No condemnation. Millions and millions struggle in this area of condemnation. Now, we said that condemnation by way of definition was assuming guilt that is not your own. It involves oppression, degradation. It involves perceived rejection from God or others, uh, even self-rejection due to a past sin or a specific circumstance that you might find yourself in. What I want to convey most to you is that the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now someone says, if there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, why am I struggling with condemnation? Well, what I want you to understand is this. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, that we have to put on Christ. We have to put on righteousness. What does that mean? Certainly Christ is in us if we're a Christian. So certainly in one context, we don't have to put on Christ because he's already in us and on us. So when the Bible says that we must put on Christ, put on righteousness, what it means is that it's talking about a mindset. It's talking about you entering into a place that the reality of you being forgiven, knowing that you're the righteousness of God is so viable, so real. That, that nothing from your past can, can really get you down, degrade or condemn or destroy. And you enter into a place where you are so confident in the presence of God, you know that as a child of God, you belong there. Now, what I'm going to be sharing on today is something called the coat of many colors. Now, I know that most of you listening to my voice right now or, or watching on DVD, you are familiar with the story of Joseph, where his father made him a coat of many colors. His brothers were jealous of this coat and, and really tried to destroy his life because of it. What was so significant about this coat of many colors? What I want you to understand is this. The coat of many colors, as shared in the book of Genesis in the context of Joseph, represents your righteousness with God. You see, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10, it says that you have been robed with the robe of righteousness, corresponding to the scripture of 2 Corinthians 5, 21, which says, he who knew no sin, that's of course Jesus, became sin for you and I that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, I know I just shared a lot right there, so I'm going to go back and, and reiterate some things in the context of those three scriptures. I utilized the scripture out of Genesis talking about Joseph being given by his father the coat of many colors. You see, the coat, it represents what we're covered with. Do you remember in the book of Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned? The Bible says that the covering was the glory of God. That's why they saw one another, uh, in, but they didn't see one another's nakedness. They saw the glory of God on each other. But when they sinned, 
They needed a covering. And you see, uh, they, they tried to use the covering of rationalization. Adam said, man, I, I'm really not responsible for this. The woman that you gave me, she's the one that made me do it. The woman said, I'm not responsible for my nakedness. The, the devil, man, he made me do it. You see, so often we are entering into places. Uh, and this is certainly true of non-Christians. They're, they're trying to cover up their nakedness. They're trying to cover up their hurts. They try to cover it up with success. They try to cover it up with drug abuse. They try to cover it up with uh, perhaps leading a very good life, even a religious life. But nothing can be your covering except the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember what God did when he refuted the coverings that Adam and Eve were trying to put on themselves to hide their nakedness? He slew an animal. And in that context, there was the shedding of blood. And then he covered them with the skins of that animal. You see, without the shedding of blood, beloved, there can be no covering. What I want to get across to you is this. When we enter into guilt, when we enter into degradation, when we enter into oppression, when we enter into perceived rejection because of something we did or something that really has come upon us and maybe in the context of disability or hurt or anything that would bring shame, we're wearing a cloak of condemnation. Again, there are so many things that can cause you and I to put on a cloak that try to cover up the hurt. Disability. When so, the, the Bible says in, in, in John chapter 10, that, that listen, listen to this. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 10. In Mark chapter 10, there was a man, Bartimaeus. He was blind from birth and they degraded him. The people round about him, they, they said, you're no good. You're second best. And the Bible tells us that he wore a beggar's cloak. And his name literally means son of discouragement. Bartimaeus, son of discouragement. And he wore a beggar's cloak because of that which he incurred from birth, which was no fault of his own. And the Bible says when Jesus came, he heard of Jesus. He said, Master, Rabboni, I want to receive my sight. And the people, they said, just shut up. You're not worthy of an audience with the master. You're not worthy to regain your sight. Just be quiet. You know what was amazing? It was church people that told him to be quiet. You know, many times it will be church people that tell you that you can't be freed from your past, that tell you that you can't be freed from your economic situation, that you can't be freed from the plot that you find yourself in. Sometimes they're well-meaning, but you've got to continue to cry out and say, Jesus, Jesus called blind Bartimaeus to him. And what I want you to see is this. When blind Bartimaeus came to Jesus, he threw away his beggar's cloak and he put on, glory to God, the cloak, the coat of hope. Now, again, Joseph was given a coat, the coat of many colors. And it represented the righteousness of God. It represented, you see, every color in that coat represented an aspect of who God Almighty was. 
I, 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 one of my favorite teachings is that the word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, in the Greek, which can be translated gifting, it can also be translated grace. It also can be translated virtue. So the Keller's intrinsic to the code of Joseph represented the purity, the beauty, the awesomeness, the fruits of the spirit, all that God entailed. And you see the enemy, even through the brothers of Joseph, they destroyed that code. I want to tell you something. Whether you feel like you, you were abandoned because your mom and dad had a divorce. Maybe because you were born out of wedlock, you feel like you're not as good as somebody else. So you put on a coat to try to cover up a perceived inferiority. I'm here to tell you something. That coat that you put on, that coat of degradation is a coat of condemnation. I, you know, I, I work with a lot of people that have been adopted in counseling. And almost invariably, the enemy comes to them and said, you know what? Because you're not your mother and father's physical seed. You're second best. I'm going to tell you something. That's a lie from the pit of hell. But so often they put on a coat of second best. And we're going to talk more about this. Some of you, you may have been told from an early age, you're no good. You're going to turn out like your father who was no good, who was in prison or was this or that. And sin itself may still Try to hold on. It might be something that has stained you and you're still trying to get rid of the stain. Beloved, no matter what it is, no matter if it's some type of sickness or disability, I don't care if it's a learning disability, uh, no matter what it is, prior sexual abuse, abandonment, uh, worn out of wedlock, adoption, you're told you're no good, uh, you're told you're second best, sin. You see, all these things, listen to me, they're what we call predispositions. A predisposition is something that just makes things a little bit harder. And you see, the devil takes these predispositions. Maybe the environment that you grew up in where everything was negative. Maybe, again, it was something where you felt responsible for your mom and dad's divorce when you had nothing to do with it in the context of responsibility. And the devil comes and lies. And you see, your, your natural flesh, it chimes in with the enemy. And you enter into a place where you wear a coat like blind Bartimaeus, a cloak that says, I'm second best, I'm second rate, I'm hopeless, I'm, I'm here to tell you something. It is time to put on the coat of righteousness. The coat of righteousness. Now, I'm going to put on this cloak right now. You can, uh, you can see me if you're watching by video. I'm going to put on this cloak. It is a, a, a beautiful garment. It, it's something that has color to it. It's something that represents the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, as I'm putting on this cloak, if you can see me, if you're watching this by DVD or if you're listening by CD, I'm simply putting on a very beautiful garment that represents the righteousness of God, according to Isaiah 61.10 and 2 Corinthians 5.21. It is a garment that represents the righteousness of God. Now, you say, what is the righteousness of God? Well, the righteousness of God is Jesus Christ himself. Remember the scripture that we looked at in Colossians 3.10? It says, 
Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the righteousness of God. You see, when you were born again, God gave you a brand new heart. And intrinsic to your new heart, God caused you to have the righteousness, hallelujah, of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. You not only entered into eternal life when you entered into the born again experience, you received the very righteousness of God. Meaning that in God's eyes, you're just as righteous as Jesus. Not because of what you did, but because of what he did. Glory to God. In essence, he went to Calvary. He took your place that he might give you his nature, even his righteousness. And you see, this coat represents the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Now, turn with me, if you would, if you have your Bibles, the second Samuel, chapter 13. And I want to look at some very powerful verses, starting with verse 18. As you're turning there, I want to tell you uh, uh, kind of a funny story. Uh, you know, uh, this subject of condemnation can be very, uh, how do I want to say this, just very intense because it involves so much. It involves your identity. It involves your freedom. It involves your destiny. So sometimes it might be good just to break it up with just, just to lighten things up. But as I was going to get a garment like this, I have done this sermon a few times, but never like I'm going to do it today. But the first time I went to get a coat of many colors, I went into a very uh, upscale department store. And, and I looked in the men's section to find a coat of many colors. How many of you know that men don't wear coats of many colors. I mean, men wear, they wear blue jeans and, and, and they wear t-shirts and they wear browns and blacks and blues. And there's nothing any man hardly ever wears that, that is really, you know, uh, that would exemplify the coat of many colors. So I'm in a, an upscale department store and I say, I can't find anything in the men's section. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to mosey on over uh, to the women's section and just try to quickly, you know, maybe get a coat from the women's section because the Kellers and, and the women's section is so much more vibrant. And, you know, I just do it quick. Nobody will see me in the women's section or they'll think, you know, I'm shopping for my wife. So here I am. I, I, I find a coat and I, I start, I got to try it on. So I'm in the women's section trying on the woman's coat of many colors. And I'm on the school, my local school board at this time. And wouldn't you know it, another school board member comes just walking by, looking at me trying on this woman's coat in the women's section. I put that down and I ran to the Salvation Army store. And I was looking now for a coat there, praise God. I came up with something. But I, so I paid the price for this coat, glory to God. But I want you to understand this. Jesus Christ paid a price for you to walk in the robe of righteousness. You know, in Isaiah 61, 10, the first part of the verse says that God has given you, this is a prophetic scripture, the robe of righteousness. Glory to God. Talking about the robe that Jesus would win for us through Calvary. But then it goes on to say that just like a bride would be adorned on the day of her wedding, so are we to walk every day of our lives. You know, if you can picture a bride dressed in white and a beautiful gown, I know uh, 
I've, I've gone, I have four daughters and two of my daughters have recently, have been recently been married. And I, I tell you, Oh, what a privilege it is to walk them down the aisle. I mean, it's, it's, it's not only momentous, it is something of profound significance. You know, when you think of a, a bride on her wedding day, you think of somebody that, of, in, in purity that stands out. That's so special. God almighty has given you the robe of righteousness that you would stand out every day. And I want to tell you something. This is what the enemy's after. Because you see, if indeed you put on the code of condemnation, then that robe of righteousness, that cloak of righteousness, that cloak of many killers will not be viable in your life. 2 Samuel 13, verse 18. It's a very powerful story. It's one that I have a difficult time reading because it's about a young lady named Tamar who is raped by her stepbrother, uh, one of the sons of David. And it, it just is heart-wrenching, so difficult. But I want to look at it because I want you to see something that is so incredibly important to your life and to mine. In 2 Samuel 13, 18, it says this. It says, now Tamar was wearing a coat of many colors. See, she had a coat just like Joseph had. And it goes on to say why she had this coat of many colors. It says, now Tamar was wearing a long robe, a coat of many colors, with sleeves of various vibrant and glorious colors. Now listen to this. For in such robes were the king's virgin daughters clad of old. Mm, Jesus. So what we see is this. We see Tamar, a very precious child of God. You see, she is literally a child of the king. She is one of King David's daughters. And because she's a child of the king, because she's pure, because she's precious, because in his sight, now that doesn't mean she was perfect in her actions, but it means to him, man, she was, oh man, she was a child of the king. And you know, if the child of the king has favor with the king, even her father king. He is going to robe her in his best. And his best was the coat, the robe of many colors. Now Tamar would, man, she would walk down the street. She was a beautiful uh, a young lady. And everybody would say, wow, look at Tamar. Man, she's wearing the coat of many colors. Can I tell you something? That's how every unbeliever should look at us as believers. Not that we're deserving of the coat. Not that our works warrant the coat. But because our Father God has given it unto us. Even the coat of the righteousness of his son. So Tamar, I mean, she had a reputation of integrity. She had a reputation of beauty. She was known as a daughter of the king. And her coat of many colors. Glory to God. It exemplified her relationship. With the king, even her father king, David. No, what happened was this. She was horribly raped by her half-brother. And after the rape took place, here's what the Bible says happened. It says she put ashes on her head. And then she tore apart the coat of many colors, which she wore. And she began to scream and, and run away in shrieks of terror. Mm. 
and Absalom. Her brother said to her, has your brother Amnon, that's the one that did this horrible act to her, has he brought disgrace upon you? Has he raped you? And then he said, don't say anything. Come into my house. And she lived there for two full years with Absalom. And the Bible says she lived there in condemnation. She lived there in false guilt, perceived rejection, degradation, and oppression, which indeed is what condemnation encompasses. What I want you to see most is this. After she had been hurt, she ripped the coat in shreds because she said, I'm no longer worthy to wear it. Now you might say, no one hurt me. I hurt myself. I hurt God through sin. I'm here to tell you something. God Almighty not only forgives, he forgets. God Almighty, according to 1 John 1, 9, not only forgives your sin, but cleanses you from it. You see, you say, I still have the stain of the sin. And God says, no, you don't. Because I've not only forgiven, I've forgotten. I've not only forgiven, I've taken away the stain. For 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. You see, he's just because he has a legal right because of what he did on Calvary, what we talked about in our initial session, to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, I weep as I look at the story of Tamar. Because you see what she did was this. She took that amazing coat of many colors and she discarded it and she put on the coat of condemnation. I want you to understand something. With every sin the enemy tries to get us to commit, with every hurt he tries to bring upon our lives, with every lie he tells us, whether it's you're not worthy, whether it's your second best because you, your brother or sister does better than you in, in certain things or seems to be loved more or that because you've been adopted to your second best or because you've been born out of wedlock, your second best or because you have a disability, your second best or because you've entered into a certain sin, your second best or because you've uh, entered into a place where you struggle more than somebody else and you try harder than anybody else when it seems like everybody else gets ahead of you and, and, and the devil's right there to say your second best. I'm here to tell you something. You are not second best. I'm here to tell you this. If you're a believer, you've got the best. You are the best because you've been given the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Again, how righteous is Jesus Christ? How pure is Jesus Christ? How accepted is Jesus Christ by the Father? You are equally accepted. But you see, the Bible says you are accepted in the beloved. If you're listening to my voice right now, and you're saying, you know, I I've never experienced Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want to experience him. Keep listening, please, because I'm going to, I, God's going to enable you to enter into this experience. Because you see, his heart goes out to you. He died that you might exchange your cloak of death 
for the cloak of his righteousness and life eternal. Oh, how God's heart is toward you even right now. Please listen to me. The enemy hates the coat of many colors. That's why he tried to, to take it from Joseph and, and destroy Joseph's his life. That's why he tried to get Tamar to rip it up. But I'm here to tell you this. As we enter into the teaching today, I believe that you're going to enter into this coat, putting on the coat of righteousness, the coat of many killers, in a way that you'll never take it off. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, I'm going to say something. I want you to listen very intently, please, to what I'm going to say. Condemnation is the enemy's cloak to cover our nakedness. It's the cloak that replaces the righteousness of God. You see, condemnation is literally a cloak. It's something that will encompass you. It's something that will cling to you. It's something that will both degrade and oppress. Now, I'm going to very simply take a very dirty, very old, cut up, just, just a dirty coat, black coat that is ripped, that is soiled, that represents condemnation. And I'm going to put it on. You see, there are no voids in God. When Tamar took off the coat and ripped the coat of righteousness, something else came on her. You see, if you're a believer, even though you've sinned, you're still the righteousness of God in Christ. You still have the cloak of righteousness on. But if you don't enter in to putting it on and keeping off condemnation, it will be covered up. And this dirty, filthy, ripped coat is what you will wear. Now you might say, I have a happy face. I put on a happy face. I, I, I'm a success but you see, this does not cover you. If you do not have the code of righteousness on, the code of condemnation is that which hovers over you. And many of you know what I'm talking about. Like tomorrow, you feel the shame, even though it's false shame. You feel dirty, even though God says you're cleansed. You feel second best, even though in your mind you know you're not. You feel the, the hurt. You, you, you feel the, the degradation. You, you, it hurts so bad. You have the coat of condemnation on you. Listen to me. Under the guise of this coat that I'm wearing is the coat of guilt and pain. You see, if you still have guilt for past sin, if it's still something you remember, if it's still something you judge yourself by, and if there's still pain from it, even though it's been years ago, perhaps, you're wearing this coat of condemnation. And as I shared in our initial session, some people wear the coat of guilt and pain to try to make up for their sin. But I'm here to tell you something. You can wear this coat 24 hours a day for the rest of your life. It will never take away the stain of sin. Only the blood of Jesus can. Now, 
Again, so many people are trying to make up for their sinfulness and for sins that they have committed. Many are perfectionistic thinking, if I do everything right, God's going to give me a coat of righteousness. If I do everything right, God's going to take away my shame. My friend, you don't work for the coat. The coat's a gift. Now listen to me. So many wore the coat of being loved second best. They wore the coat of a victim. It's like, no matter what I do, I just have a sense inside of me that I'm going to be hurt. I've been abused. I've been put down. I lost a job. My spouse was unfaithful. It's like, I'm a victim. I've lost hope. Can I tell you something? When you enter into that attitude, that mindset, you are covering up the coat of righteousness, the coat of many colors, the coat of your destiny with the coat of condemnation. Many people, you see, they try to cover their nakedness. They try to cover their nakedness. If they're a non-Christian, they don't have peace. So they try to wear the coat of success. They try to wear the coat of uh, just, uh, well, uh, maybe it might be through their gifting. This happens with unbelievers. This happens with Christians. They say, you know, I hurt inside. I, I don't feel accepted by God. So, man, I'm going to do all kinds of things for God to make it, you know, so I can just enter into a place where I warrant acceptance with God. That coat is like an under this coat. Some wear a coat of anger and over-assertiveness. They've been hurt and they're not going to be hurt ever again. So they will control and manipulate. They wear a coat to try to cover up their nakedness, their past hurts. Many wear a coat of rationalization like Adam and Eve. It's not my fault. It's my environment. It's a bad break. It's this or that. Beloved, the truth is this. There is no coat that can cover your nakedness other than the coat of many killers, the coat of Jesus Christ. And there is no coat that can take away your condemnation. There is no coat that can negate your shame. There is no coat that can negate what you've been through. There's no coat that can negate the stain of past sin except the coat of Jesus Christ. Now listen so closely to me of what I'm going to say. And if you would turn with me to Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Romans 14, 17. The Bible says in these, this verse that the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but Righteousness, there's that word again, righteousness, which the, your, the coat represents. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Now, here's what I want you to see. That's the order of God. Please listen to me. The order of, you see, the order of religion is this. I am going to become good enough through adherence to creeds, through certain works, through uh, uh, adhering to holy days of obligation, through entering into this, this, and that, so I can then, 
warrant right standing with God so he can then give me the coat of righteousness. But my friend, it's a lie. Because no one, no one, no matter how good they've been in the eyes of God will warrant that coat by their works. In fact, God says in Isaiah We just quoted Isaiah 61. In Isaiah 66, the Bible says that our works are like filthy rags. Whether it's works as a Christian trying to enter into living a perfectionistic life to make up for our sin. Whether it's somebody who's not a Christian trying to come before God with their own works. God says they're filthy rags. You see, the only way we enter in to the code of righteousness is through, oh, glory to God, entering into the victory of Calvary. Now, what I want you to see is this. What I want you to see is this. When you enter into the righteousness of God, that's when you're going to enter into life because everything flows from righteousness. Glory to God. Everything flows from righteousness. You see, That precious girl walking down the aisle with her wedding gown on. I I tell you what, she's going to enter into marriage. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. You see, the gown represents someone making a commitment to her. When you wear the coat of righteousness, it represents everything's going to be all right. Oh, glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. I I I can hardly contain myself. In Philippians 3.10, we see the same order as shared in Romans 14.17. The Apostle Paul says that every Christian should give up everything for three purposes. One, that we might know God. Second, that we might experience God. And third, that we might live for God. But you see, that's the order. You come to know him intimately. Oh, glory to God of his goodness. You come to know him as Savior. And because you know him as Savior, now you start to enter into experiencing his goodness. And then you want to live for him. You see, here's what excites me. Most of you know that our our ministry, of course, is called Abba Ministries. I, I can't. I tell you, that word Abba means so much to me. See, in Galatians 4, 6, the Bible says, as soon as you accepted Christ as your Savior, He caused you to be born again. He gave you the robe of righteousness, and He came into your heart crying, Abba, Father. Because you see, He knew if you got the revelation that God Almighty is your daddy, if you entered into the reality of God Almighty being your daddy, I tell you what, you will have everything that your daddy has to offer. He didn't come into your heart crying, stop smoking cigarettes, or witness for me, or pay your tithes. No. He came into your heart crying, Abba. Because you see, everything flows from Abba. I'm here to tell you, everything flows from the robe. Glory to Jesus. There are so many other examples that that excite me. Oh, glory to God in this context. You see, oh, Jesus, in the Ark of the Covenant, there were three entities. One was the Ten Commandments, the other was the Golden Jar of Manna, and third was Aaron's Rod that Aaron's The Ten Commandments represented Christ Jesus 
consummating the commandments for you because we could not keep them. So God became our righteousness. The commandments written in, oh, glory to God. And the ark represented you being righteous, then you being able to partake of Jesus because you are righteous, then entering into a place of victory. This excites me so much. It excites me so much. Oh, glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. In Luke 15 and 16, we see different parables. And one of the parables that almost everybody knows, even if they're not a Christian, is the parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son went to his father and said, you know, I'm tired of living here. I want to go out and have some fun. I want to go out on my own. And his father was very rich. And his inheritance entailed half of what his father had. And he said, I want my inheritance now. And if you don't give it to me, I'm still going to go. Amazingly, the father knew what he was going to do, but gave him the inheritance anyway. You see, the giftings of God are irrevocable. Many of you listening to my voice right now that are not Christians, you say, I'm doing all right. You know, the only reason you're doing all right in your own eyes is because God has given you the inheritance of the gifts that you have so he can show you his love and you've taken advantage of those gifts. To say that I don't need God when it's the very gifts given you by God that enable you to prosper. We know the story. The prodigal son. He entered into sexual sin. He entered into riotous living. He ended up in a pig pen. Now here's what I want you to say. You see, before the prodigal became the prodigal, he had something called a signet ring. And in those days, wherever you would go and you wanted to buy something, they would have something you could imprint the signet ring in. You could imprint it. It would be something like a bar of soap, but it wasn't actually a bar of soap. And you would put the signet ring in. It would have the initials of your family on it. And if your family was prosperous, you could get whatever you wanted. Well, here is the prodigal. He is wearing this cloak that I'm wearing. He's wearing the cloak of condemnation. He comes to himself. He said, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against my father. He's wearing this filthy, bastardly cloak. And he thinks, even my father's hired servants are better off than me. I will go. I will go to my father, humble myself, say I'm not worthy no longer to be called your son. Just let me live as one of the hired servants. And he begins to walk. And as he is walking, as he is walking, the father sees him because the father was waiting for him in hopes that he would come to his senses. And beloved, here's what happens. He's clothed in these wretched garments as I am exemplifying with this filthy coat. And the father does this when the son says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
He says two things. Give him the signet ring again and take away the filthy garments and put on again the coat, the robe of righteousness that enables him to have the inheritance which he destroyed and negated because it's his again. Beloved, this is a picture of God Almighty. This is a picture of God Almighty. You see, God is so good. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, the Bible says that God's ways are not our ways. Sometimes people say, well, that means that, you know, when we say God's love, God's really not love. And when God's just a hard God, no, it entails God being so much more loving than we could ever dream, so much more precious than we could ever imagine, so much more magnificent than we could ever realize. Glory to Jesus. You see, beloved, what happened was this. The code of righteousness. Even though this young man negated his inheritance with riotous living in the father's eyes, it was still there for him. Now, I'm going to get gut level in a few things right now. I want you to see a few things. Again, so often in our humanness, even as Christians, we try to climb the ladder to get back into God's graces when in reality we already have his heart because we have his coat, the coat of many colors, the coat of righteousness. So often, when working with somebody that's been adopted, the parents, they consider that child no less than uh, 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 the other child if they had, if it came, that other child came through their physical seed. But you see, there's something in the natural man that struggles with that. And the devil will chime right in and say, you know what? You're not loved as much. You're not loved as much as your brother because you're adopted and he wasn't. You're not loved as much as your sister because you're adopted and she wasn't. Can I tell you something? I tell you, it's a lie from hell. I've counseled so many people, young and old both. So often a teenager will say, you know what? I'm just going to be rebellious. I'm going to be bad to see if, God, if my parents really love me as much as they say. Can I tell you something? Don't ever do that. See, when somebody really loves you, you don't have to prove that they love you. You just have to receive their love. Listen to me. In Matthew chapter 4, the devil came to Jesus and said, If you are the Son of God, then turn these stones into bread. What was he doing? He was trying to get Jesus Christ to prove that he was the son of God. And Jesus just said, shut up and get out of here. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth from the heart of God. You see, if I'm in a place, you see, so many Christians are in a place. It's almost like if I have a good day and my bank account's filled, then you know what? Man, I'm wearing the robe of righteousness. I'm accepted by God. 
But if I'm going through a trial and man, my car payment is overdue and I can't, don't have money and I'm struggling with this sin, then you know what? Oh man, they start to poke, they start to put back on the garment of condemnation. See, what they're doing is this. They're trying to get God to prove himself when God already has. My friend, when you have the robe of righteousness on, I tell you what, you have everything you could ever want. You know when the father put that robe back on the prodigal son and gave him the signet ring? The son knew that everything was all right. I want you to understand something. It's not because you can make up for your sins somehow that everything's okay. It's not because everything's lining up. It's not because mom and dad do everything perfect. It's not because your spouse does everything perfect. It's because they've given themselves to you. You see, that person has been adopted. They come to a place 99 times out of 100 where they see the heart of their mom and dad. That spouse who's struggling with weaknesses within uh, the one they're married to. Man, she doesn't do this right. He doesn't do this right. Can I tell you something? They're looking at their imperfections rather than looking at the glory of one another. You see, if you're in a place where you're trying to prove yourself, if you're in a place where you're trying to get God to prove himself to you, See, here's the deal. God will prove himself to you. You will never lack. You will be blessed. You'll do the works of God. You have eternal life. You'll enter into blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. But you see, that's not the foundation. The foundation is knowing that God Almighty loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son. Not that you only could have eternal life but you would have the very righteousness of his son given to you. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. You see, when a man and woman get married, they give themselves one to another. They're not going to be perfect. But when they are extremely excited and and know that man the one is given himself completely to the other they walk in that reality through good and bad through things that are tough and things that are easy because they see that the one's been given to another god almighty has given you the very righteousness of his son wow you're not going to be perfect. Your spouse is not going to be perfect. Your parents are not going to be perfect. Your children are not going to be perfect. But you see, in the midst of the imperfection, I'm thinking of a, a young man that I counseled was uh, 17 years old. Loved his parents. His parents loved him. And uh, his parents... Uh, gave him uh, a new car, really worth almost $15,000. And he, he was a Christian, but he was out drinking, shouldn't have been. 
He wrecked the car. The car was destroyed and somehow there was no insurance on it. And $15,000 car. I mean, just gone. And he was so hurt that he hurt his parents that he started cutting himself uh, with uh, knives and pens and pencils. And, and when he came to me in counseling, his arms were cut. He had a long sleeve shirt on. I said, son, I said, just unbutton your sleeves. And I just sensed in my spirit what was underneath. And I said, why? He said, you know, my parents have been so good to me. So good. I can't believe I've hurt them so much. I said, son, you made a mistake. You drank when you shouldn't have. You wrecked the car. You know what? Here's the deal. You don't have to punish yourself. Do you know why? Because your parents just didn't give you a car. They gave you their hearts. Hearts that cover you even when you hurt them. Hearts that don't impute wrong even when there's been wrong. Hearts that believe in you even when you don't believe in yourself. Condemnation's a horrible thing. The devil tries to do his best to get you to think that you're second best. To get you to think that because you're not as successful as someone else, you've got to wear a coat of second best, a beggar's coat like Bartimaeus. I'm here to tell you, and, and I'm almost start, starting to cry because there's something God gave me that I'm going to share with you now that I believe will change your life. But you've got to understand this. God Almighty not only gave you eternal life, God Almighty gave you the righteousness of his son. Not because you deserve it. Not because you do everything right. Even when you do something that's been dreadful. He still says, put on the robe. Take the signet ring because my blood is greater than your sin. My love is greater than what the enemy said to you in the context of lying to you about second best and hopelessness. Oh, glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Do you see how so many times we get things backwards? God says, because you wear the coat, everything is going to fall in line. Man, when you walk down the street, there's favor. Not because of who you are, but because of the coat that you wear. Man, when you sin and you repent. Now, there's a, there's a context of this, of course. You've got to be repentant. But most people, that's not their problem. They, they don't want to hurt God. You need to understand, man, you've got favor because you wear the coat. You've got forgiveness because you wear the coat. Oh, glory to God. You're going to have success because you wear the coat. You're going to enter into victory because you wear the coat. You're going to stand out. Man, just like that precious young lady, hallelujah, on her wedding day. Because you wear the coat of many colors. Glory to Jesus. You see, once again, when we take upon ourselves perceived rejection because of a seemingly hopeless plot in life, when we take upon ourselves guilt that is not ours to take, 
degradation and oppression come with it. I'm almost about to cry as I share this last scenario through the scriptures with you before we close. Just go with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29. I want to share with you the story of Leah. Genesis chapter 29. I'm going to start with verse 31. It says, and when the Lord saw that Leah was hated by her husband, he opened her womb, knowing that she was loved second best. Mm, Rachel being loved first. Here's the scenario. Leah had false guilt. It wasn't her fault. It was her father's fault. Oh, Jesus. Jacob had worked for so many years. To gain the hand of Rachel. And deceitfully. Rachel and Leah's father. Put Leah in the place of Rachel in a tent where Jacob could not see her. Thinking it was Rachel. And actually was espoused to Leah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what Leah went through? Knowing that this man didn't want anything to do with her. And yet... She was now a spouse to him. She felt guilty for taking part in this act. She was hated, the Bible says, by the one she was married to. And everything within her said, God, take away the reproach. She entered into condemnation. She entered in the putting on this coat that we had just taken off in the context of the prodigal son. Leah wore this coat. She wore it in tears. She wore it in heartache. She wore it in grief. She wore it knowing everybody around her knew what had happened. She wore it in a way that caused her to be in a place of condemnation that she thought she would never get out. And here's what she did. In Genesis 29, the Bible says this in verse 32, And Leah conceived, and she bore a son, and she called him Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord has looked upon my affliction, and now therefore my husband will love me. You see, she's trying to get rid of the condemnation. She's trying to get rid of the guilt She's trying to get rid of the hopelessness by doing something in her own strength that seemingly would negate the hate, the shame, and the grief. But my friend, even after having Jacob's first son, Reuben, he still hated her. He still blamed her. He still looked upon her in disgust. So what did she do? The Bible says she conceived again. She tried harder. She bore another son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon, saying thou, my guilt, my shame, the hate towards me, by both my sister and my husband will be taken away. And it didn't work. My friend, no matter how good your intentions, no matter how much you try, your works are never going to take away 
the hurt, the degradation, the lies of the enemy. It's impossible. But she tried again. She said, maybe if I have another child, maybe it'll work this time. And she conceived again and bore a son. And she said, because the Lord this time has given me three children, my husband surely will be joined unto me and rejoice with me and love me. Therefore, she called his name Levi, which means three. My friend, she had a hope that she could remedy the situation, that maybe if she was just good enough for a long period of time and do this, this, and this, it would change things. But it changed nothing. Listen to this. If you get this, it will change your life forever, even as it has changed mine. She is there with three small children, hated by her husband, despised by her sister, blamed for their plight, grief-stricken, in condemnation from head to toe, cloaked with condemnation, trying to get rid of the condemnation by putting on a cloak of achievement, even as the world does, even as the religious do, to no avail. Because my friend, I'm here to tell you something. There's no cloak. There is, if you take the most religious person on the face of the earth, who has attained to the highest level of works that have ever been attained to, there are still filthy rags in the sight of God. Listen to this. She conceived again. And this time she did not say, I will bear a son to take away my reproach. She did not say, I will bear a son that will cause my husband to love me. She conceived again and bore a son. And she said this time, I will praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I will praise God Almighty. I will praise the King of Kings. Therefore, she called his name Judah, which means praise. My friend, this is the only way to get rid. This is the only way to get rid of the state of sin, to get rid of a perceived wrong plot in life, to get rid of anything you've done, anything that you think you should have done. It's the only way to enter in to acceptance with God. It's the only way to enter in to the robe of righteousness. You see, it is impossible. It is impossible to do anything that will cause you to be accepted by God because you simply can't go that high. All you can do is praise God for the righteousness of His Son that has been given to you and receive it as a gift. She said, I will cry out, Judah! 
Jesus Christ is came from the lion. He is the lion from the tribe of Judah. He is the God of praise. He's the one who came for you. The devil acts like a lion trying to, through his lies to destroy your life. God Almighty is the lion. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Leah was crying out two things when she cried out Judah. She was crying out for her warrior God to destroy the degradation, the, the misperception, the false guilt. And she was crying out in worship and praise for the robe of righteousness, the coat of many colors that only can be given due to the blood of Jesus Christ. As we close, I sense God so strongly. Please listen to me. If you're listening to my voice and you're not a Christian, probably you're not a Christian because you didn't know what being a Christian entailed. But your eyes are being opened to this glorious coat of many colors that has been won for you through the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to weep, I want to shout, I want to, I, I just, there's so many emotions going on right now, I just sense the heart of God towards you. But you're seeing what being a Christian really means. It means to stop striving. Just like Leah tried to do it and do it, she, she, it couldn't be done. And say, God, all I can do is worship. Right now, would you enter into crying, Judah? Would you cease from your own works and confess and humble yourself and say, the robe of righteousness will never be given to me because of my religion, because of me fulfilling these of obligation or creeds or mantras or whatever, but only through the one who came from the tribe of Judah. The Lord Jesus Christ. I sense you want Jesus now. Pray with me right now. Say Lord God Almighty. I humble myself right now before you. I confess that my works. Are like filthy rags to you. Because they cannot give me the robe of righteousness. That gives me eternal life. And right standing with you. So right now. I give you my filthy robes. And I ask you to put on me. The robe of righteousness even through causing me to be born again right now. I ask you to be my Savior and Lord. I receive you into my life. I receive the robe of righteousness right now. I receive that as mine. Boy, I sense Jesus so much. If you just prayed that prayer, just right now, be as Leah, just cry out, Judah, enter into praise, thank him right now for opening up your eyes to see the difference between striving and never getting rid of the cloak of condemnation of inability that would try to cover your nakedness. And now being robed as the, oh, as the father king's son with the robe of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Oh, please worship him with me. Now you who are a believer, 
you who may have been struggling with condemnation for many years. You know, as you were watching me, if you're watching this by DVD or listening, and just understanding that I was putting on this filthy jacket, I know you would look at me and say, get it off. My beloved, you are the beloved of God. God is saying, get it off. Get it off and let the truth of the righteousness of my son permeate you, cloak you, cover you, emanate into you and be your righteousness. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, I am a child of yours. I've strayed. I've struggled at times. But you know I love you. Father, right now, I remove this coat of condemnation. Just, just pretend like you're taking a coat off right now. Just say, I remove this coat of condemnation. Like Bartimaeus, like blind Bartimaeus, I'm, remo I'm removing the coat of second best, the coat of hopelessness. And Father, as you did with the prodigal son, cloak me now with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I believe that I am saved by grace. I believe that I walk by grace. Lord, forgive me for covering up the coat. I will never cover it up again. Let it shine now. Let me walk in such glory. Let me walk according to Isaiah 61. Let me walk in a way that the coat of many colors is so viable in my life that all who see me, that they, oh, they just, they are amazed. And I'm amazed at who I am because of you. And I just say this with me, say, I enter into expectation of great victory and blessing, not because of what I've done or even what I will do, but because You've covered me, cloaked me with the coat of many colors, with the robe of the righteousness of your son. And daily, as Colossians 3.10 says, I will exalt it. It will be the mainstay of my life because it is the foundation of Christianity. Father God, you have not only given me eternal life, but you have literally given me the righteousness of the, your only begotten son. And it's not mine. It's a gift. It is the mainstay of my life. I will never remove it again. Though I may sin, I will repent and not let the coat be covered up with shame and inferiority and condemnation. Though thoughts may come to me 
that I'm second best. Even at times I may be treated by those who are significant to me and they may call me second best. But I will not put this on. I will not cover the coat for the coat will make away from me. You see, they took the coat from Joseph, but they were too late. The coat had already got into Joseph. Joseph succeeded. Joseph was who he was because of the coat that he had worn. They took the coat off of him, but God put it back on. It was too late. The coat had already gotten into him. And you know, when he was, oh, even by the world, even as he was exalted as a ruler, it was not the coat of being a powerful politician in Egypt that he wore. But it was the coat of God, the coat of many colors in the spirit realm. God Almighty has given you his life. Through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ has given you everything. But most of all, he's given you the very essence of who he is, the righteous one. And now as you wear that coat, the father says, truly, even as my son who knew no sin became sin, surely, my children are now the righteousness of my son. Just like my son in my sight. Because they have received and walk in the coat, the robe of righteousness, which only a child of God can put on. I don't know how to close this session. The glory of God is just so strong. But may I just say this. There is no one like God. There's nothing like the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is amazing. It is without rival. It is exceedingly glorious. It is only that which can cause you and I, even though we fail, even though we do not warrant it, but it is only that which causes you and I to stand before God Almighty as though we never sinned because we have been given a born-again spirit that is pure. We have been given the very righteousness of the only begotten Son of the living God. Worship Him. Cry out, Judah. Worship Him. Cry out, Judah. Worship him more and cry out, Judah. I believe for eternity we will be crying out, Judah. For the robe, for the life, for the born again spirit that we've been given that enables us to be able to be in the presence of Almighty God in all of his holiness as though we never sinned. Surely, this is the inheritance of the children of Father God.